Good morning and welcome to Chanel. We are glad that you're here with us. If you're joining us online, welcome as well. I do want to give a quick shout out to Cole Hastings. He is you haven't really even done any celebratory stuff, but his favorite team, the Jaguars, won yesterday, so be sure and give him a high five and a, a go Jags. And there'll be a little house divided over there in that section next week, I think. So, uh, But I, Cole's excited. We want to you know, live in that excitement as well. But we are excited that you're here with us today as we continue our series, Past, Present, and Future. Uh, today, we are talking about the present, kind of the state of the church in the country as well as the state of Chennault. And I've told Whitney, uh, I kind of ran this sermon by her, and she said, please do not go into all your statistics. I love statistics. I love graphs. I love trends. And I promise you, and I've told Miles as well, I'm only going to go through a few of them, so I'm not going to do a ton of statistics. But it does kind of help talk about where the church is across the country. Um, And unlike the Jaguars, where things are just trending up, and overall in the church uh, across the country, things are not trending in a great direction. Uh, church is struggling right now across the country. It just, it is. Uh, that is just the, the facts of the matter of where the church is in 2023. And when I, when I think of the church, uh, just, just the concept of church, I always go into the book of Acts. I've used these passages time and time again in sermons, but I, I love the book of Acts because in, in Acts you see a church that is in motion, a church of people that are excited to be together who are abandoning their selfish ways and saying, no, we're here because God has called us here in this moment. You see this in Acts chapter 2, where the church is growing by thousands. People have said, no, my possessions are our possessions now. If you need something, you let me know, and I want to make sure that you have it. You see this in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and in mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there was no needy persons among them. We read passages like this in Acts, and when we think about the church, we're like, yes, this is the gold standard. This is what we want church to be, a community of believers that are excited together. They are teaching, they are growing, they are giving, and they are just living in that resurrection. And you see that and you're captivated of it. But if you were to look at the landscape of churches in 2023 across America, you wouldn't see this momentum. There's some estimates, Carrie Newhoff specifically, to kind of give you my sources. Um, love sources as well. We can talk about those too. But Carrie Newhoff projects that around 10,000 churches in 2023 will be forced to close. And in his research and kind of his estimations, what Carrie Newhoff believes, the churches will either choose to close, be adopted, or just kind of fade away. We also have seen a larger trend across the country with ministers leaving churches to go into secular jobs. 20 years ago, when a minister left a church, they left to go to another church. It was very uncommon to see ministers leave a church about 20 years ago and go into the secular workforce. Now that is becoming basically the exit strategy for a lot of ministers. Chanel has seen that as well. We've experienced that. But I want to show you a little bit about where churches have been kind of of coming from, because a lot of people will tell you that 2020 was the breaking point for a lot of churches. That in 2020, that is when things really took a turn for churches. 
Uh, but nerds like me would tell you that the trend would tell you, would show you that that's not the case. The trend for where churches got to in 2020 was coming a long ways away. Uh, the first slide, again, I'm going to use a few. The first slide is an attendance trend from 1993 to 2022. Again, the, the global pandemic started in 2020. <clears throat> but uh, what Barna Research did was they tracked attendance from 1993 all the way to 2020. If you're seeing that, it, it's, there's some kind of upward momentum. Uh, it starts around 46% in 1993, and at its, excuse me, at its largest point at 48% in 2009, it never rebounds from there. That, that number of uh, <clears throat> U.S. adults who say they are attending church, it never gets above uh, that number again. And, and I would argue that it will be a very long time before it does. And that number, as you can tell, is at 29% in 2020. And I think if you were to show the research from 2020 to about 2022, you would look at probably around 25%. I would say that number probably decreases as well. Um, again, I know this is boring you, but I promise you, this is going to be an encouraging sermon. Um, <clears throat> some of you are like, but you've got more slides. I do, but hang in there. So the, the number is showing you that across the board, from really around 2009 to 2020, that number decreases. And so you start looking at it and saying, why is that? Why is that number gradually decreasing? I would argue that there are two reasons why that number is decreasing. It's because individuals are discouraged and they are disconnected. When individuals are combined with those two things, when they are discouraged and when they are disconnected, they don't see the purpose of church. If they do not feel like they have roots in a community, they are not going to make the effort to be a part of that community. If when they go to that community and they leave feeling discouraged or a lack of hope from that experience, they're also not going to return to it. Uh, it is against our human nature to keep doing things that we don't want to do, especially when those things that we don't want to do make us feel bad. And so that number is going to trend down because of people's perception of church. Barna also has some research on U.S. adults on feelings prompted by uh, what encourages them to attend church. Next slide, Miles. About 42% uh, said that they felt encouraged every time that they attended church, and that 40% number is most of the time. So if you're going to combine the two, and if I, my math is correct, that's 82%. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to make some humor in this that I know basic math, but 82% of individuals say that when they attended church, they left encouraged. So they're like, okay, that's a, a good element there. But the next one is, uh, the U.S. adults on feelings prompted by church attendance was disappointment. That number as a, a church leader is higher than you'd want it to be. You don't want individuals to come into your fellowship, to go to a church and feel disappointed or discouraged. In this one, math gets a little bit harder because I've got to carry some numbers, but in this one, that number increases a little bit, where you see individuals feeling disappointed or discouraged from their church experience. And so if you combine those two factors that I mentioned just a little bit of discouragement and disconnection, individuals are not going to return to church. But in 2020, really what happened in 2020 that was very fascinating to me was that churches were forced to change the game. And what I mean by that is in 2020, almost every church that I knew of went online in some form or fashion whether that was a, a live online worship service or recorded videos. Our praise team here, they recorded songs. They came up at, in the evening, at almost an amazing feat to come up here in the evening, and they recorded songs. And they were great, but that was how we did worship in 2020. 
Uh, Bert recorded sermons. I did stuff for the teens. We, we went kind of to new links to figure out uh, how to connect with people in a period where everyone was disconnected. I remember the, the feeling of excitement and disappointment when I told the kids, we're going to Zoom. And they were like, we've Zoomed all week at school, and the way that we're going to connect is we're Zooming. But eventually, the teens and I, we met outside. We circled up, and we, we kind of had some social guidelines or whatever. But you may do with what you had. But in 2020, what really happened with a lot of churches is people went online. And so for the first time that I can remember, everyone had access to every type of church. And so think about that for a second. Because before then, before all these churches had their online services there, to figure out what another church looked like, to experience church at another church, to figure out what another denomination might be doing in their styles of worship, etc., you had to go to that church physically. That meant if you got a family with kids, you're, you're getting the kids in the car, you're explaining to them why you're going to a different church, we're trying to figure out what they're doing over there on your mission. But that was something that people didn't do forever. But in 2020, that changes. Or people start looking at different churches, seeing what other churches are doing. We at Chanel, we went online, and we, we tried to do the best that we could to make worship feel like it was worship even though you were at home. But again, church kind of transitioned to an online experience for a lot of people. And what Barna has also done, and I rely heavily on their research because it is a Christian organization that primarily researches and studies Christian movement, trends, etc., like that. But they also tracked church attendance in 2022. And this is one that I find very, very interesting. Uh, let's go to that next slide, Miles. Thank you. So it says, today, how are you primarily attending your church? Now, if you see that number, that far left one of all church adults, about 60% say they are returned to in-person worship. But if that's 60%, you've got about 40% of all church adults are saying that they are attending online in some form or fashion. So the, the both online and in-person number, uh, as well as the online, uh, gets, around, gets you around 40%. That's higher, obviously, because this is new terrain, but that's higher than any time in the history of the church. Uh, to my knowledge, there was not uh, online worship when Jesus was meeting. Nobody was zooming in to hear what Jesus was talking about. But all I have to say is it is a new terrain for churches, where individuals are, let's just be honest, taking advantage of the online worship component. And that's fine. Because that is where church is. There is a reality, I think, that people enjoy the online worship because of the convenience of it. Now, I myself, I enjoy the online, the in-person, the online, you're like, why are you here? I enjoy the in-person experience of it. I, I need the connection. But as a church, let me tell you, our responsibility is if individuals are choosing to be a part of our fellowship, but also online, it is our responsibility to still check in on them. Ask them how they're doing. Let them know that we miss them in person, that whenever they're ready to come back, we've got a seat for them. That is what we need to be doing as a church. But the reality is, and what the trends are showing us, is that likely this number is going to stay about the same. I don't see this number going below 30% anytime soon, especially with the convenience, how a lot of us navigate our lives on, online, where we're, we're connected more than ever. We have a, a device in your pocket that takes videos phones, does your taxes, does everything that you could possibly imagine at the, the you know, touch of a phone. And so I don't think that's changing anytime soon. And it's something that churches, I think, have to look at. How do you reach people? 
2023, what Chanel needs to do is look at the online component of our worship as an open door. If individuals are looking for a community, if they're looking for a church, the online worship element needs to be their first window into what we do here on a Sunday morning. Because, again, where trends are showing us that is where church is headed. At least that is the first step for people to visit. Before individuals will step foot in your church to visit in 2023, they will look at our online elements. Whether that be service, website, social media, that is their first thing. Again, 20 years ago, 1993, to find out what a church was doing, you went to that church physically, you visited, you met with them. But now people are looking online before they do any of that. And so that is basically where the church is, uh, in a global sense, with attendance numbers tracking down a little bit, not massively, but a little bit, staying in that 30% range. You've got individuals who have more interest right now in an increased interest in online worship. And so at Chanel, what does that mean for us? I know it's, it may be a weird conversation to have, but we track along with a lot of what we see across the board with churches across the country. We have ministers that have left in the last calendar year that have gone to secular positions. That tracks with the national average. We've seen attendance decreases that track with the national average. And it's easy to find a place of anxiety there to say, didn't like those statistics, don't like those graphs, don't like the way that they make me feel about the future. And Jesus has some language that he uses in Matthew chapter 6 about that, about anxiety. Jesus has some language in Matthew chapter 6 about that. There we go. Uh, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be handed to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What I would tell you about the state of Chanel, about where we are as a church, is I'm hopeful. I'm excited about where we are in the present. Because today, as we gather, whether you're gathering with us online or in person, we have a group of people that want to be here. When I think about a lot of the churches that are choosing this year to to close down or be adopted or, or whatever language you use, I'm not saying that they don't have those people, but when I look at all of you, when I think about who you are, and I think about your gifts and your talents, you are people that are choosing to be here every Sunday. I made a joke in class, and I'll make it here just to see if it worked in this room as well, but to my knowledge, none of you are here by court order. To my knowledge, all of you are choosing to be with us today. It's not out of guilt, because you have options. You could be doing other things. You've chosen to be here at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning because you care about the work here. And to me, when I think about 2023 at Chanel, that is something to be hopeful for. And whereas a lot of churches are determining if they have a future, we at Chanel are discussing what ours will look like. And I want you to think about that. There are a lot of churches in our community, in our state, in our country that are looking at 2023 and saying, hey, will we even be here at the end of the year? What the elders, what the vision team have been doing over the last few months is looking at what the next year looks like, the next few weeks, but also into the next 20 years. When John Mulliken told us to think about the next 20 years, I started doing the math. 
Judah will be 27 years old. That's crazy. Probably still living with us, but he'll, it'll be crazy. <laughs> He's not in here and it's fine. But, um, but my point is this. Like that feels so far away, but think about the intentionality in that. We're not just hoping that the future happens. We are planning for the future. And we have people that want to be here. Again, the people that are here are invested in the present and the future of our church. And so when we look at passages like Acts chapter 4 again, where all the believers were one in heart and mind, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. The great power of the apostles. There's a feeling there that Chanel connects with that. We all care about one another. We all want to be there with one another. There are priorities here of teaching the gospel, of seeking and saving the lost. But as we look at our future, we have to recognize that God has a plan for us. The prophet Jeremiah records these words. That the Lord says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. you see the language there of God to Jeremiah that you have a future. I have a plan for you, Jeremiah. And it's not just a plan that I will abandon you on, that God is saying, Jeremiah, I will walk with you. I will guide you. I will lead you into the unknown. And I will protect you. That when you call to me, Jeremiah, I will respond. There is beauty in the promise of God there. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and, I'm, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. In God's plan to Jeremiah, his promise to Jeremiah, there is also deliverance. And in that deliverance comes hope. Uh, the, the idea of hope is so abstract to me because I'm a type A person. I want to know the plan. I want to know the path. I want to know how we're going to get there. But there is so much hope that comes from the recognition that God has a plan for us. Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews writes, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we we do not see. This is what the ancients were committed for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And Paul talks about this too. Paul writes in in Romans chapter 8, For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So in this next calendar year, in 2023, the present state of Chanel, in my opinion, is good. We have a lot of things to be hopeful for. There's a lot of work that we need to do. But God has a plan for us. And I hope and I pray that we trust in God, that God will deliver us, that if we trust in God in this moment, in this season, that God will lead us into the next year. And as we think about the present state of Chanel in comparison to the rest of the country, what I am optimistic is that you all want to be here. And that is the first stepping stone that separates us, in my opinion, from where a lot of churches are across the country. And I want to end with one passage from Romans chapter 15 and reflect on the words of Paul to his followers in Rome, where Paul writes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, 
so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we think and reflect on the present state of Chanel, there are seasons and periods where we may feel anxious. But friends, God has a plan for this congregation. And in that plan, we have hope and trust that God will deliver us and lead us where he wants us to go. Let's stand and sing together.